0: You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly, news, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NBB teams, hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly podcast. It's for the week of November 6th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Sunday morning is a special guest, Jason Cosby of the Japan Times. Thank you very much, Jason, for waking up early and joining us.
2: Thank you for having me
1: again. And my buddy Jim Allen. How you doing, bud? Good. Good. Hanging out and
3: no soccer with Jason Coskery. It doesn't get much better than that.
1: I wish I were there, but you as you know, things are going on in my life. So uh Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just take care of that right now. <laughs> Save the wishing for other things. Anyway, I wish I I actually wish the series had ended last night, but it has not. So uh anyway, we've got an interview from from last week that we're gonna play, but uh we're kind of in the middle of things, so we're going to have to figure things out as we go forward here this week. Uh, in fact, I'm thinking of a midweek podcast recording, actually, to, to get things wrapped up after the series is over. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Jim is staring off into the <laughs> um, um... samurai stars here. Indeed. <laughs> anyway, on this week's show, we've got Jeremy Beasley of the Hanshin Tigers. Uh, We're going to dive into some high heat and just talk about the Japan series. So let's start swinging.
2: Clearing the
4: bases.
3: Okay. Well, uh, as I said, I'm in Osaka. I was uh, in Osaka a week ago, and I'm back. And a week ago, I was able to talk to a bunch of guys, including Jeremy Beasley of the Haunching Tigers. First time we've caught up. And it's really he's he he's one of these he and J.B. Wendelkin are like two of the most engaging people I've met this year and talking about about different things and he's really into his uh pitch mechanics and and this and that and he was analyzing Yoshinobu Yamamoto's uh uh stuff Mm -hmm. and uh, it was fun so I uh, uh I really enjoyed that and I think you will too so let's have a listen.
0: Okay, our second guest this week on the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast is Hanshin Tigers reliever. Well, you started... Too. I, yeah yeah
4: i just uh, the team came to me and were like hey kid, we need some little extra help in the starting rotation and i just wanted to show that i had a little bit of versatility and you know i wanted to help the team in any way possible
0: that's your job <laughs> yeah okay well that's that the gentleman you were just listening to is jeremy beasley of the hunching tigers so glad to have you on the podcast finally
4: <laughs> yeah it's nice to you know finally talk to some guys and uh, uh you guys and um you know it's been a it's been a long year, but, you know, we've worked really hard, and we're finally finding our way back into the Japan Series.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it's always a thing for the Tigers. Uh, it's a big thing for the Tigers. Yeah. And this team's a little... Um you know, it, it's a hard, it's a hard slog. I mean, I probably, you, you don't feel it as much as a, as an import player, yeah. but the Japanese players really feel the heavy expectations.
4: Yeah. You can definitely feel it from, from their perspective. You can definitely tell that they have a lot on their minds whenever it comes to these games. Like these games are very important right. to them. I mean, you know, yeah. of, of course yeah. it's important to right. us, but you know, like these guys, this is their livelihood and you know, this is the country they live in. It's like, if we went to a world series, this, we would probably feel the same way they do because you know, but it does matter to us and, uh. These guys have put a lot of pressure on themselves, but you know they've done excellent all year. So, it's like anything; they need to just be themselves, and you know we'll have a really good series against these guys.
0: Now, have you seen Oryx play at all?
4: You know, I of course you know you see Yashinobu all the time, right. uh, but yeah, I've seen a few a few few games. You know, I, I'm really good friends with Jacob Pack. Okay, so, he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we play together in Toronto. Oh, so, brilliant! Yeah, We are in AAA together. So, okay. you know, we talk all the time, and you know. You can definitely tell they're a good team.
0: Yeah, they, they're different. I mean, and but on the other hand, they're, you know, the same. You're all going out and playing play baseball. Mm-hmm. Now, you you know, you've been, now you're coming in and relieving just really some tremendous pitches you throw. I was really <laughs> impressed with Thank the quality. You. Uh, you've been keeping it kind of limited in terms of pitches you've been throwing as a reliever?
4: Yeah, uh, it, it, well it's, the one thing is as a reliever you're just trying to get three quick outs because yeah. you might have to do it again the next day right. so I mean it's, it's a different mindset especially like as a starter as a starter you know you have to go through the lineup three times and you know you got to be different every single time because sure. they can easily just jump on you um, but as a reliever you you kind of have to just like pick and choose your battles with these guys especially mm-hmm. like the aggressive guys you have to get them out quick because the next day you're gonna have to face them again so. I think and on top of that you have to take care of yourself like a recovery standpoint it's you know insanely different than being a starter you got a routine and all that but as a reliever it's never a routine
0: do you feel uh, well let me ask how, how is the bullpen here uh, because every every team we never quite get a good picture because every team has a little different bullpen culture mm. how is the bullpen culture here with the I, I think
4: it's probably the best i've ever been a part of oh, uh, yeah what, th- in
0: what ways is cuz i know it's yeah, yeah, you always it's always good everywhere yeah, yeah, yeah. in its own
4: way but what's good about it the, the one thing is yeah even as an import you don't feel excluded in any possible way like really? the, the guys treat you like brothers and you know it's you know it's that's the best way to describe it is like we're all like brothers in a way oh. You know, even though we're all, you know, thousands of miles apart from each right. other, you know, these guys have really taken care of us, and you know, they've treated us with the yeah. utmost yeah. respect, yeah. and yeah. we've treated them with the utmost respect. Like, it, I don't think there's been a better culture in a bullpen that I've ever been a part of.
0: Have you ever had a uh, one of the things? And I don't know. And it's called con- Japanese baseball is constantly changing. They say it never does, but it does all the time. And one of the things is the guys getting up and throwing during the game. Mm. Do you, get, do you see much of that?
4: Not not entirely, no. Uh, I think uh, especially, like, the guys that get used, they don't they don't really do it very okay. much. You know, but I, I haven't personally seen it. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, uh, maybe it's no. going out of style. Or maybe. Maybe I think guys are starting to realize, oh, my arm hurts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have to do this. You
0: know? Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. Now, what, uh, you know, talk about the pitchers, because I was, something occurred to me. I was talking to Yamamoto before, and mm-hmm. he throws... Used to throw the best curveball in Japan. Mm -hmm. Now he's got a teammate who throws one better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What have you learned from your teammates? Well, I mean, uh, me personally, I've learned how
4: to pitch. You know, we 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 hear that you you hear that all the time, uh, and uh, guys probably come over here as like, this is a different type of baseball, and these guys, you have to find a way to beat them and they don't really beat themselves, if that makes sense. Like they're well, not They gonna
0: don't sw- beat themselves in the yeah, same
4: way. Exactly. They're not going to swing and miss much. Right. So so in the States, you might get a, a guy that will swing and miss and be okay with swinging and missing here, they are not okay with swinging a miss. So you have to really learn, you know, and pay attention to their swings and how they're approaching your pitches and how they swing against each pitch. And, you know, it's like each approach is totally different right. between these guys. But, you know, you can also characterize them all very similar. Like, sure, you sure, have sure. the slap guy, you have the power guy, and then you have the guy that's, like, in between. But, uh, personally, I've, I've noticed that you have to pitch a little bit more in here. you know, okay. you, And then you pitch a little bit more in, then you can go away. You know, or you can do the opposite. At, away to in. Like, it's just paying attention a lot more in the game whereas in the States I could just let it rip down the middle and just let things play out the way they're going to play out but here you do that you're going to have a ball in the gap you're going to have a ball down the line you know you can't do that here so
0: yeah well I I was thinking actually more not less about this team and more about your team I mean get those guys you know Chikamoto and Nakano and they're so fast and they're mm-hmm. so good at just making that little bit of contact mm-hmm. they're so dangerous you, but there's guys like that all over japan mm-hmm. and it's much more complicated than it looks
4: yeah and, and on top of that you, you might look at the scores and be like oh there's you know four to two two to two two to three stuff like that But the thing is that they wreak havoc on the base pass oh yeah and it just each pitch just feels like you threw 10 like you know because yeah. they they just uh that they're really in your head most of the game, okay. and they, they don't even think they really mean to, right? You know, they just, they just play such small ball, and right. it, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on each pitcher. But, you, like I said, you see these games, you know, three, two, five, four, you know, low scoring games. But the fact of the matter is, like, these games are, like, hardcore. Like, you're in it 24-7, which I appreciate right. as a pitcher. It's like you're always locked into each game because okay. each pitch matters.
0: Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask because one of the things that they can do, they can easily do, is if you're a starter especially, yes. is, Jesus, it's the first inning and this is my 26th pitch. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, how do you... Obviously, you've had some guys who they're going to try to wear you out, mm-hmm. even though you're only going to be there facing five guys maybe. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to see if I can get this guy to 15 pitches or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you respond to that? I mean, so, of course, one response is first strike.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, it's I've seen it a bunch this year. And the one thing is you just have to stay aggressive until they get themselves out. Okay. Because at that point, they're not they're not being... They're not trying to do damage. Right. You know, there's only a few guys that can do that. Sure. Um, but they're not trying to do damage at that point. So at that point, you just, you know, let it rip down the middle or, you, you know, you you just, you don't have to be so fine on right. the edges against yeah. those guys. You know, just let themselves, you know, beat a ball into the ground. And if they hit it, hit it and they get a hit off, of, it's going to be a weak single. Right. You know, it's not going to be a ton of,
0: you know. Yeah, and uh, then as soon as you balls. let the first pitch rip, the guy's sitting on your fastball, and you going, "How did that get into the upper deck?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, you have to pick and choose
4: your battles against certain guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So maybe the last thing, uh, well, two last things. I've I promised my partner we talk about the mounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you pitched here before? I have not
4: pitched here. No. Okay.
0: Uh, tell now. I know Kosian is not the favorite mound of a lot of people, <laughs> but you've gotten used to that, then.
4: Yes and no. I mean, it's it. Each pitcher's different, you sure. know, like each starter has their own way of having the mound. I think for a guy like me, I wanted a little bit more American style. It's gonna be a lot harder, you know, that it's not gonna break up as much, but a guy like maybe Yuki Nishi, he uh, he kinda of breaks up the mound a little bit on the far side mm-hmm. and, and he has a nice big hole. So each guy's different and I, I personally I like Chinichi's Mound the best if I'm, if I'm being honest it's probably you know, one of the best uh,
0: J.B. Wendelkin told us the same thing yeah. a couple of guys that like the Dragon's Mound the best yeah it's
4: got a good slip. it reminds me of this Mound honestly okay. it does yeah um it's a little bit more American style
0: okay well that's good especially I, I got to be if you're a reliever that's got to be a plus because you come in and guys have been throwing mm. on it for five innings
4: and it's still the same yeah you know that's you know yeah. it makes you really happy when you go out there It's like oh I have a place to land
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At home okay and the last thing is about the balls obviously mm-hmm. uh, when you first thing when you pick up a Japanese ball as uh, needs said the MLB ball feels like throwing a rock
4: Mm-hmm. You know, the MLB got a little bit better last year with them. They did. They actually uh, did pre-tack it a little. No, nah, I wouldn't say that. I would just, I'd just say they were better. Okay. <laughs> they, they probably had a little bit better texture to them. Okay. But they didn't. They were not pre-tacked. Okay. Um, where the balls here, they, they have a nice like uh, seam size on it. You know, pre tacks great. But I, sometimes you don't get those. You know, okay. sometimes you don't get those. You will get the same like nice slick ball here. Okay. So I mean, it, like it's, it's like any place. Anything, the
0: the quality there. control though
4: here is pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it yeah more usually domes, oh, you, yeah. you know, they're per, all of them are pretty similar. Okay. But if you go to like Koshin, you might get a rubbed up ball or you might get a ball
0: that's slick, you never really know. Okay, well, anyway, I'm thank you so much for your time. Yes, it's a great pleasure to meet you and nice talk with you. And we'll yes, hope sir. to have you on again next year. Sounds good, brother. Okay, thank take you.
3: care. You okay, thank you, Mr. Beasley. Beasley, Beasley. <laughs> I'm easily
1: Beasley, a easily joke that's all you got for him. <laughs> yeah measly is about my speed this morning <laughs> all right well jason you listened to the chat what did you think about it
2: it was good i think it was um things you hear about from a lot of relievers especially the you've got to be ready you've got to be flexible because it's it's such a hard task to just at a moment's notice get up and you know, get ready i know um and after game three, Yuki Udagawa of the Buffaloes, he talked about that a little bit. He said that it was, you know, you just have to be ready because you could be up, you could be pitching, you could be right about to go in, and then they could sit you down, or you could be sitting down and all of a sudden you've got to get up and at a moment's notice and go in. And that's and I've heard that from other relievers too. And you know, every team is kind of different as to how they have the relievers in the in the bullpen. I know some guys say they watch the game on TV, some guys would rather see the game with themselves. But um yeah, so that, that kind of stood out as sort of like a universal sort of MPB um kind of bullpen situation. And yeah, then of course just facing the batters and guys who, you know, instead of either being home run or bust they're trying to get on base they're trying to extend their bats they're trying to make your life like a living hell for (laughs) how many pitches they can make it like that so and it's it's, and i'm sure that's extremely difficult on a reliever when you're only facing guys a couple times and you don't know when you're gonna come in who you're gonna face so I, i thought that was interesting
1: yeah, again, thank you, Jim, for going out and getting those interviews uh, before the series, and and thank you for asking about the mound. That really that really helps out. I, I like hearing those stories. So, I talked to Jeremy back in July or August. I'm not sure exactly when it was, but the Tigers visited Tokyo Dome, and I got to see him. And his uh, baby was newly born, so he was just bouncing all over the place anyway. And you and I, Jim, <laughs> wow. talked about the fact that he was he's full of energy, full of life, uh, yeah. just very positive. And uh the fact that he knows Jacob Wagaspak is of, uh, I mean, because of course, right? because we've got this big network of imports and they've seen each other, know each other, played with each other somewhere now. so that makes a lot of sense. But I liked what I uh, actually to just follow up on what Jason said because as a reliever, uh, I, I like what J- Jeremy said, nothing's routine. It's never routine. And you can have your routine. But that gets disturbed or you can have routine, but you're on a weird mound or you can have your routine, but the weather is off. So if you've got to speed something up or slow something down. There's so many variables that, uh, you know, the ballparks, the players you're going to face, the mounds, the situation. Uh, I can go on and on, but it's it's so difficult to produce. And these guys make it look so easy. But when you hear Jeremy talk about some of the challenges that go along with just, you know, having your stuff so to speak, and being able to get guys out, you really get a, a better appreciation for what these guys go through. And I, I always say, I can't imagine going to my office, sitting down at a desk and then not knowing if work's going to come my way or not, and then going home, you know, <laughs> you know, mm. having not done anything all day. Now, it sounds like fun, but I have to do the mental preparation. I have to be ready to do something. If something comes across, I have to be prepared. I have to know what's going on. So I do all the, the, the routine uh preparation but never knowing if i'm going to go in or not and then what situation it's it's seems to me like a mental challenge to do that on a daily basis for a reliever now we know that he started some games as well but Mm -hmm. uh and he wanted to show his versatility and that's the same thing he told me when we met up at tokyo dome but what about you jim what's what stood out for you
3: well i I would say you should try my job i know you have (laughs) because i never know what's coming (laughs) <laughs> and and I get, I mean, I, that's not quite true. I often know what's coming, but that you get in trouble when people people think you should have done more with stuff you didn't expect and couldn't be expected to expect.
1: <laughs> if I were you, we I would have done it this way. I, I still think that's different from going to work and not knowing if you're going to have work or not. Now I, I know I I know what you're saying. I, yeah. It's similar, but I think. <laughs> You know, getting thrown a curve is just par for the course in our field, for sure. But not not getting thrown a pitch at all when you're ready to hit and you've done all the work <laughs> to get ready. I suppose,
3: to hit. I yeah. suppose. Uh, it's, but it's but I, for me, the interesting thing, in addition to the the mound critiques, was the the part about is the bullpen culture and how, it's, how much it's changed in the last 15, 20 years. Because it used to be, it was so funny, because it used to be that every Japanese reliever would, you know, even if he was a middle guy, he'd be throwing in the second inning. <laughs> right. He'd get up and he'd heat up in the second inning, and then he'd sit down. And if he was a late inning guy, he'd be throwing in the fifth inning, and he'd sit down. He might throw 30, 40, 50 pitches and sit down. And the the import players are just shaking their heads like, what's up with that? And you and the thing is, uh so when I asked him about it, he went like, like what they do that? Not our team. I mean oh. a yeah, little bit, but it has changed dramatically in the last and that's something that that really struck me is is talking to other relievers i'm getting that same feedback uh jay jackson when he was with the hiroshima carp told me he started doing that because everybody was doing it and he learned how to sort of like work that into his routine Mm -hmm. and since he's uh left japan come back to japan Left Japan, or oh, God, still working in yeah, still working in the states. Yeah, <laughs> and then retired, went back to MLB and with the Brewers, and then retired, and then ended up with the San Francisco Giants and retired, and now he's with the Toronto Blue Jays and not retired. Yeah. So it didn't hurt his arm. But the the point I would I used to make is that most teams who had that bullpen culture. It it was very rare in Japan to have a guy who would save like 20 or 30 games in consecutive seasons. Mm-hmm. I know when Mark Kroon was with the Omiuri Giants, he was the first uh, Giants pitcher to ever save 20 games in consecutive seasons. Was it 20? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was a really low bar. They'd have guys who saved 30, but they never did it in consecutive years. Sure. So. The longevity, the the group of relievers like uh, Kazuhiro Sasaki, of course, he was had a pretty short career, and Shingo Takatsu and uh, Masahide Kobayashi was pretty amazing uh, for guys who pitched in the nineties because those guys didn't last. And I heard most of those guys pitched in the. I think you know they were the survivors. Those are the guys with the iron arms because. They did like everybody else by 2000. It was, it was customary. And I think that's no longer a thing. And of course now we're seeing relievers who save 30 games every year, pretty much for every team. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a step in the right. So that was kind of interesting, uh, for the Tigers and a take on the, the Tigers team, you know, team atmosphere, which, uh, Takuma Nakano really seconded yesterday, or actually seconded this week when I talked. This past week when I talked to him, so it was fun, and I, I really enjoyed talking with uh, with Jeremy. Of course, he's not only was a former teammate of Jacob Augustov who talked about wanting the bullpens on the field. I think Jason was there when we were talking. We were talking. He said he wanted the bullpens on the field so he didn't have to go into the stadium cold from the under the stand bullpens and go out and
1: there's thirty five thousand people going going uh, nuts. Yeah, interesting. I yeah, that that like, like I said, there's so many variables each time and it's so hard. And uh, I guess the face Yu- Yuki Udagawa had uh, the other day when he gave up some runs. the the lip poked out and the disbelief of (laughs)
3: crying when he came off the field
1: well yeah i mean these guys (laughs) i always say the (laughs) people can yell and scream at their tvs and in the stands all they want nobody cares more than the guys who are actually doing it so i i just disregard a lot of those comments but you could see it, it it really means but i'm thinking you know here's a guy who hadn't pitched in this stadium and i and all those things started to in my mind they were conjured up because i'm trying to figure out okay what what might have been different for him and you know even when we get to that game we'll talk about it but it's not like he was throwing bad pitches all night so that's another thing but anyway let's uh, make a four theme transition then and talk about the japan series so uh you guys are down there i'm just watching on tv and listening on the radio and uh We'll start with you Jason cuz you are the guest we will just let you do everything first today. Um what's your overall impression the series tied 3-3 heading into game 7 tonight at Kyocera Dome. It's
2: it's been an interesting series like especially I when, bet you say that to all the guys. Especially <laughs> it starts off with you know Yoshinobu Yamamoto just getting absolutely drilled by the Tigers and then Oryx coming back in Taking the next game eight zero, and then the three at Kosien were, you know, all pretty close and pretty exciting, which was, which was good. We've seen a lot of errors. We've seen a lot of bad umpiring and strike zones. Um, mm. One thing that was interesting to me after game five, when we had the errors by the Tigers, but um, Satoshi Nakaka, actually Satoshi, he made he may have said this after game four, game four, or game five, but. The Buffalo's manager Satoshi Nakajima said the field that Koshian was weird. Like mm-hmm. he said it was different than when they played there before. And um, someone else also kind of said that, you know, the Tigers they aren't they're not used to playing, you know, in November at night on, on that field either. And Nakajima said it was moist. And before the before every game, you could see the guys out there um with the big water holes just watering it down like a lot. So I don't know if it they watered it, then it then it got cool because it was cool in at Koshin and it stayed like that or what? Or if if it that that had any impact on the mound or on the fielding, but um that. But the three games at Koshin were pretty, pretty exciting. And we got um Udagawa who had been just I don't remember how exactly how many aims, but he hadn't given up a postseason run last year or this year before he came into that situation and you know, before it blew up on him and but really it blew up on Soichiro Yamazaki, who was the person who, who almost blew game seven for them last year against the Swallows at Jingu. And he gave up four runs in the eighth inning. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's been a really close series. I think it's been a really exciting series, which I wouldn't have expected after those first two games. Right. Um, they played a lot. They played a lot because the three games at Coast Yan were almost four hours. At least the last the last one was four hours, and the one before that was close. So it's been it's been fun, a lot of shifts in it. So it's been good.
1: Jim, your impression of the series so far?
3: Yeah, the same. I think it's it's probably one of the more entertaining Japan series I've ever seen. Uh and I've seen a few. Uh, my Comments on, I have to say yesterday that uh, after Jason split, um, I don't know what it is, but Yuma Mune is like all, always the last player off the field when the Buffaloes practice. Mm-hmm. And somebody was asking about the ball. So he, he made two really, really good stops at Koshyan. Mm. He said, Man, I hate that. I hate that dirt. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Then, because he was wearing shorts, he pulled him up a little bit so we could see the bruise. That he said it was 195 kilometers per hour off the bat, which it might have been. Right at the right at the exit velocity, that's a little on the high side, so he might have been exaggerating. Oyama, but it definitely left a mark.
2: Would you say, Jason? Yeah, was that Oyama's ball that he stopped?
3: Yeah, yeah. He, I think both pre- of the balls he stopped were by Oyama. Mm. And the other one he caught in a glove. He he used a glove. (laughs) When the ball hit his his leg, I was remembering uh, Boomer Wells, the one about what his dad would say when when one of his kids, his players got hit where he didn't have a cup. he said, that's right, leather's expensive. Save that glove. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so anyway, so he was showing that off. So yeah, the series has been so much fun. It's the first, I mean, a lot, you know, of course, every series, there are some firsts. Um, the first was that this is the first series in which the losing team which the losing team will have won, not the first one where they've won by more than six runs. We've had a couple of bigger scores, but it'll be the first time when the winning team and the losing team have both won by margins of six runs or more mm. because of the two nothing wins at the start of the series. Right. Uh, I thought, you know... Yeah. The defense has, you know, it's funny because so in so many ways it's played out the way I expected with, with Oryx hitting the home runs and uh, Oryx hitting the home runs and hunching turning the double plays mm-hmm. has really been a, a big thing. Although, uh, Oryx has proved they can make errors as well as the tigers, yes, <laughs> which I didn't think was going to happen, but, uh, yeah, just I, I. It's so funny. I I am cruising through my colleagues' uh, notes and recordings from yesterday. I'm so blessed with social media at this because the people who work in my company um, just post all their reporting after the game online. I can just pick and choose. It's not like mm. I'm like, like running around in the old days. But I think it's like it's like they've got me they took notice of my advanced age and they made it easy for me. <laughs> so anyway, I, I didn't see uh, Tomi Omori talking because he's the one I really wanted to hear from the, because he, he might've saved the game. Mm. But, yeah.
1: Well, know, we'll get to the game. Yeah. We'll okay. Get to the but game. He might've yeah. saved the game, but it's been uh, a nice six. series. Yeah. How about you, John? For me, uh, I, like I said, just watching as uh, an observer from a distance, I I picked the Tigers to win in six. So I I told someone at work yesterday, I said, you know, I picked the Tigers to work to win in six. And only once have I really thought that was going to happen. So as they enter the game with a chance to win it in six, I I thought, yeah, they're not beating Yamamoto twice in this series. Uh, And if they do, it's going to be because the manager is going to leave Yamamoto out there when he's ineffective. And they were going to scramble up enough runs to get the lead and then win late. Well, that didn't happen. So they didn't get to him. And and he ends up setting a Japan series record and blah, blah, blah. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. But uh, so I'm watching. I'm watching the errors. I saw uh, my buddy Newell uh, on Twitter X (laughs) write about the errors, the number of errors. And he said the 14 errors they had made um, were like not the record the combined teams had had made 14 errors that was not the record in the japan series the record was 18 in the total combined errors in 1950 so we'll see if they can avoid making four errors or two errors apiece tonight and and not break that record but um the series has been i guess i i i know what it's like having picked the tigers and so i'm thinking okay i want them to win so now i'm, I'm uh by proxy uh, a, a Tigers fan and now I know what it's like for them <laughs> yeah you haven't been doing it for 38 years you do not I do not know that kind of pain but I have my own kind of torture from Nagoya going on so that's good but what I've got kids so that that gets you get a boss <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah hopefully they don't make too much noise here but uh, you know they have a chance to get a lead and you know last night in the in game six and Again, no no thoughts of for me thinking that they were going to walk away easily in this game. So it has been quite an interesting or compelling series, save for the first the, the two blowouts early on, which I, I immediately sent to Jason. I said it's a good thing you were able to go to sleep early during the games here, <laughs> during games one and games two, so you can catch up on sleep because you know, those games were not very compelling, but uh, then we had some really good games. So let's get into the games here. Um, just want to give an impression, your biggest impression from each game, and then we'll go through. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about game six, six last night. But game one, ain't nothing. the Tigers pretty much beat uh, Yamamoto early, and, and he just wasn't sharp for, uh, uh, again, I, I, I thought it was odd to see. But the Tigers played well, and I, I gave them credit. Uh, I didn't really see exactly if like last night it seemed like yamamoto was hitting his spots with about i don't know one every i'm sorry three of every four pitches but he'd miss one and he wouldn't get a call you know and uh and then he started to like hit some points and there were some pitches he threw last night that as a batter you can't you can't hit them and as a as an umpire i think you might have been very generous Hmm. but yeah uh, he got some calls. He didn't get some of those calls early and he got some late and ends up with a Japan series record, 14 strikeouts and over, overall awesome. But that was that was game six. So this is, let's focus on game one. I don't think he was was that sharp. Uh, what was your impression of game one, Jason?
2: No, he, he wasn't. He wasn't particularly sharp and. um I know. I've not, the manager said that he thought it was maybe because he didn't have his good curveball, and he didn't have a feel for that pitch, and so it kind of just threw the rest of him a little bit off. And it's kind of one of those things where you know, once one thing goes wrong, it kind of snowballs on you. And he, um, I, they left him out there to kind of grind it out a little bit, and you know, it just they just kept scoring against them, and um, yeah, he just didn't he just didn't have it. The um, and Murakami Murakami was. Good, I thought Murakami though. Um, it's kind of been a not a theme of the Japan series, but you know the game one strike zone was like a mile wide for Murakami. It seemed like Mm -hmm. sometimes, and but Yamamoto I think was missing a little low and high. Murakami was missing a little wide, but getting a call. But that's that's just that's the game. It's not like the umpire was. I'm not insinuating he was biased or anything. He was just not that great. Well, we've already we've already said there were
1: some poor umpiring in this series and especially me, last night yeah,
2: my vantage point from where i'm sitting jim may actually have a better view from right behind the batter. a just, little bit it looked like that to me so but um yeah my impression really was just amamoto just getting beat up in that game and just being surprised at how the tigers were taking um advantage of you know the opportunities they were getting and how Kinami just carried over what he had done against the carp in the climax series to the japan series which helped you know, get that that lineup moving because you got Inami at the bottom hitting, then you got Chikamoto and Nakano at the top hitting. So I thought that was, especially with the EH, there's no pitcher to break them up. So yeah, Jim. Well although there's Sakamoto, but still well, I want to talk about the DH first because
3: uh one of the one of the things that I've watched non-designated hitter teams do now and then, they because they really don't have Leandro Cedeno on the bench. They don't have uh, Takeiro, Okada, uh, Takeiro Okada, they don't have somebody like that on the bench. So they use sometimes they think, well, it'll be okay if I use a guy who gets on base sometimes. <laughs> you know, they use like the utility infielders. This is a Senichi Hoshino Dragons thing. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. Let's take on a team that's got 10 times as much power as ours and let's use a guy who can't hit the ball out of the infield. So they use Rio Watanabe, the former fighter's second baseman, who's – it's not like he has no punch, but he's almost got no punch. <laughs> and, of course, he drives in the first run. That's kind of the way that the Tigers is going to roll in this one. Uh, I heard a bit – I heard – I had no monitor. Uh, I was – I watched games 2, three, uh, 3, 4, and 5 from TV. Mm-hmm. But I have no monitor at, at – uh, Kiosara dome or okay. Tokyo or Osaka UFO dome, as I call it. Uh, So I couldn't really see, but what I could see was pitches that were called strikes that never crossed the plate. And both Yamamoto and Murakami were getting all those uh, from the, from the umpire, Mr. Yamaguchi in the opener. And we'll go back to that. And also, In his postgame comments, Nakajima said that Murakami was asked, what about the low strikes? He was apparently he was getting strikes below the zone. Okay, Uh, And he said, Nakajima said, essentially, well, if the umpire is going to give it to you, then it's your job to take it. That's the way baseball is. Sure, sure. And, you know, he said basically, you know, that's it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. You know, he took advantage of the situation. So credit to him. Okay. Uh, Which I want
1: the Tigers, one particular Tigers fan to remember. Okay. Okay. Um, Game two, another eight nothing blowout. Now, this time it was a really suspenseful three innings. (laughs) And then and then it turned into a poop emoji. Uh, <laughs> and um I guess as t- as far as uh the uh the tigers and their fans were concerned, because the Buffaloes won this one eight nothing. So it was not very competitive. And uh I, you know, Marlon Gonzalez had a basis clearing double that essentially sent many of the many people scrambling for the remote controls at home <laughs> if they're watching the way I was watching. I had split screen. So anyway, uh Jim, your impression of this game real quick.
3: Yeah, well, Mar- Margo had that. You know, he, one of the one of the the big moment for Oryx in Game One was his uh, his at bat against Shoki Murakami with two on when the Buffaloes were trailing for nothing, and he could have made it four three, and tremendous at bat. And then he came or turned around and did that did that on in Game Two, and he had the big the big blow. So. Yeah, good to see that. Uh that was really my, my main thing. Uh Hiryu Miyagi was was as good as we expected. Mm, maybe
1: better. Yeah.
3: Yeah, maybe better. Uh I again I, I don't see much of the game, but yeah, this was the one. This was also not it was not a, a bad uh, it was unlike um oryx just kept piling on. It didn't really become a route until late. Yeah. But but it was not a it was not a comfortable. Yeah. Game. Like I said,
1: yeah, it's suspenseful three innings, and and again, I was thinking going into this game. Well, they already beat Yamamoto. Maybe the Tigers have something going here. They can, uh, they're not going to see a picture of that quality the rest of the series until they face Yamamoto again. So maybe they're in a good position.
2: But that was,
1: oh, <laughs> that a
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason. Um, for me, I think the game, like you said, it was it was kind of tense early. I think it turned. When um, Yuma Mune took that 2-2 pitch, that may or may not have been a strike, and it was a pretty gutsy take, and it made it 3-2, and then he, then he walked. And after that, that's when they you know, kind of got two runs and gave themselves a little bit of breathing room. And Then it kind of got out of hand a little bit later. But I thought that was – I mean, that changed the game because if the umpire calls that differently, it's 0-0 after that inning. So.
1: Yeah, sometimes the gutsy take is, well, I know he's not throwing that pitch. What? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. All right. Moving I like game those
3: gutsy takes when the guy's headed back to the dugout and says the, the umpire tells him to go to first base. <laughs> oh,
0: <yeah. laughs> hey, dude. We saw that. I'm trying to remember who was that Yuki
3: Nagita who did that? This year he's headed back to I, the dugout. I like, no, you went the wrong way, so <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't I didn't remember seeing that, but I don't remember who it was. All right, game three, Tuesday, uh the Buffaloes. I picked him to win, so I'm kind of rooting for them, and they just looked awful against developmental rookie Kohei Azuma, who was basically, I think, making his 11th career start on a first in a first team game. He's a developmental rookie, and he didn't start in the first round sweep in the the climax series. So this was really his ninth start this year, and he was calm, he was cool, and he was collected, and he collected that W. So uh, I thought he was the, the the man of the match, so mm-hmm. to speak. Jason.
2: Again, Imamune y- in this game was, uh, he was he was good. I, he had, yeah, this is the game he had the double um, that drove in the two runs. He was 0 for 10 before that. He even said after the game, he didn't think he was going to get a hit. He didn't know. And he said he just went for it. And then he made, when Udagawa comes in to try to quell the Hanshin, you know, rally in um Oyama hits the rocket to third and Mune stops it with his body. Um so I I got I thought again, this is a game that Yuma Mune put his imprint on and um yeah, um Azuma was good. They didn't have Shinpeta Yamashita to to pitch for them, and so he came in he came in really cold because he hadn't pitched in a long time and he and he got the job done. But I, game three for me again turned on Yuma Mune doing something. Jim?
3: I'll go with that you may, um, Mune and Azuma. And uh, Azuma there was getting some there was some talk with Azuma about uh he he'd never lost as a professional and I will tell you well, he's 7 and 0 in Japan's majors but I think he's his career he's like two and four in the minors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well he, he was a the...
3: loss. He knows what it's like to lose, so let's get that
1: out of the heads. But he sure didn't look like it on Tuesday. Yeah, he was but... not the wizard of Azima. In this game Uh-oh. no
3: no it was not the <laughs> he, other was, kid, he was he no. was for real yeah I see I see don't look behind the curtain right gotcha gotcha yeah. see you're <laughs> sharp in the morning even when you're sleepy I gotcha the the last comment about that one is uh the Tigers this is the the Tigers one two three four hold on one two three four fifth Japan series and it, it's the first time they've ever lost a game at koshien that they led oh They've lost a bunch of games at Koshen, mind you. But they, but they never yeah. but they never they never led in them.
2: Period. Uh yeah. Jason, you had another comment? Yeah, I just kind of not playing off what Jim said, but I do I just remember that game was also the game where when the Hanshin scored that first run, they could have scored more if not for Marvin Gonzalez keeping the ball in the infield. Okay. I thought that was yep. a, a uh... side because just like with Mune, if he strikes out there, you don't know what happens. If Gonzalez lets that ball get by him, you don't know what happens in that inning or in that game. Right. Yeah, Tigers the Tigers speed has been an issue,
3: um, keeping a couple of big double plays from happening. Uh that was also the game was was oh it was okay, it was game two where the umpires
1: forgot what the rule book says about foul balls. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I was tweeting about that. That uh, First-base umpire, put your arms down, son. That's not your call. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, I saw the only other umpire to. I've ever seen do that was Bob Davidson. What a surprise. Yeah, yeah, going Al Haig on people. All right, game four. So now the Tigers are down in the series. They're at home. They were probably hoping they could sweep the home portion of the series, but they didn't by losing that first one. But they come back and win 4-3. And uh, the Tigers, uh, it's again, Mune, who's been smacking stuff every which way uh he gets he gets orcs going and um uh he has a two-run double to tie the score and a fant- fantastic at bat but yeah, like he, jason said he t- took a pitch but <laughs> like, yeah maybe maybe <laughs> maybe he wasn't expecting that pitch and that's why he took it but anyway the tigers rally and they come back for a, a just epic emotional walk-off win and uh i don't know what was your impression. It was Yusuke Oyama who knocks home the winner with a single in the ninth inning. Um, Jason, your impression of this game?
2: Um, Oyama was great. This is, you hear about, people talk about the Hanshin fans and even after game two, the Buffaloes, Marin Gonzalez talked about him and the manager talked about the fans at Koshien and some other Buffalo's did too, but you they were just loud and that game was just you know, amazing as far as atmosphere goes. And I, I mentioned that to say that after the game, when it was it was tied 3-3, and I don't know if he did this or not, or if he was just saying it to the media, but um, the manager, Akinobu Okada, said one of the reasons that he put Atsuki Yuasa in, who hadn't pitched since June, is because he knew that the fans were going to go crazy for him. And he thought that would kind of give the team a little bit of energy and a little bit of momentum and kind of just change the mood of the game. Because I, I think, yeah, Oryx tied that game. So, I mm-hmm. seen the, the mood was kind of they're, they're they're nervous again and you've got this tension in the air and, and all that. And it all dissipates when Yuasa comes in. And that he came in in a pretty big moment because Oryx was about to score in that situation and uh, yeah Hirooka had stolen second and then they threw a runner out at the plate and then they brought Yuasa in for just the one pitch and the place just absolutely exploded when his name got called and he got the one pitch out and then they went ahead and not that that didn't you know that didn't set Oyama up to to make the hit but I thought that was kind of an interesting moment That he comes in having not, and Okada said that he had just gotten back from Miyazaki because he was kind of working in the uh, the Phoenix League, so he hadn't pitched at all. He got back, Okada said he gotten back like a couple days ago, and so he probably wasn't even with the team in Osaka. I don't remember right him on uh, on their active roster but him coming in just totally changing the mood i thought that was a standout thing for me and then of course you know the sayonara hit so that was also the biggest thing of the game the thing to remember i will remember the way koshian sounded when you also came in and when he got that out Mm -hmm. yeah jim
3: yeah i of course i thought of i guess the 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 thing that stuck with me was uh As usual, was the ninth inning walks by J. August back, who I'm not gonna like, um, make a bad nickname for that, but the ninth inning walk, I should say, because the manager ordered the other two, (laughs) right? Um, you know, of course, he made the wild pitches, and you know, okay, he's down three nothing to Oyama. he tried to get him out and it was not a bad pitch that he threw, but he, you know, he stayed on it. So credit, you know, credit to those guys for battling it. I was just so much fun. And um, a comment that a number of the players have said, you know, the Tigers fans make the game more fun for everybody. And, you know, the Buffalo's players, Let's I think hope, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the Buffalo's players, uh, and I don't know if it was game it might have been game two and it might have been game three where he said, You know, they were really loud. One of the Buffalo's pitchers, and he said, But I just, it just got my, me going. It got, it got my juices flowing.
2: Udagawa said that.
3: Okay. Udagawa said that. Okay. Well, we'll have more juice from Udagawa to
1: come. All right. So the series is tied 2 2, and you've got the pivotal game five, and that ends up being a 6 2 Tigers win uh but that's just what the score says because i think that they had to come back uh they had a six run eighth inning that saved the day seemed like it was gonna you know i i I said the tigers looked like a crew of zookeepers who had uh, shot themselves with the tranquilizer when they were trying to shoot the somebody else or one of the animals and uh you know daiki tajima was immaculate for oryx and again I, i this would have been a game where i looked at the the quality of the pitches and the reactions of the bats and the look the way the batted balls were going I don't think he needed to come out of that game but they took him out and then we had more show Morish does two out seven pitch at bat off of Uragawa. that was epic and he lines a fastball that was not in the zone so it wasn't the wrong pitch or a bad pitch or mistake or anything like that the, the only thing I was thinking was I think Utagawa shook off twice and then threw the pitch, and I know we know he's either going to throw the fork ball or the fastball. So I don't think he has that many pitches, especially in a big spot. So I think we went from fork ball to location, and I don't know. It was you might. I think they were trying to go high up in the zone. Yeah. He ends up throwing down in the zone, and I think Modista was probably thinking fork ball, and he ends up getting a good uh, wood on the ball, hits it to the gap, and ends up with a triple. And uh, the go-ahead run score, and then the Oryx pen in the in the eighth had the, the first two pitchers combined to face six batters and get one out. And uh, that's what I was thinking before the series, that the bullpen with Oryx was not as steady as Hanshin, and uh, that turned out to be the case in this game.
2: Jason, what did you think? I was so, so, sort of surprised. Udagawa was as steady. And I think that when you, the Oryx bullpen not as steady until you get to Yamazaki and Udagawa. And Yamazaki was easily the most shaky of the two, and he's been the most shaky of the two since last year. Um, I think in that game was that that double error, I thought that ended series for the Tigers because I didn't think they were going to come back to Dome and win two games. So when, when Nakano fumbled the ball and then Moishta comes in, that seems like after forever, after a long run to come in just to mess up not mess up but to well, just yeah. all slip through his hands too and he was he said that he was dejected you know after that and he said that everyone kind of picked him up but he said well, that um, if
1: I may on the young players do these things but you know he didn't he didn't have to do that if there were two outs in the inning anyway and the runner wasn't going to go and he probably wasn't going to gamble anyway so all you have to really do is pick the ball up and he's trying to bare it in the outfield son you there's a reason you're an outfielder you know <laughs> and guys don't like they don't make bare hair play, plays like that. And the ball had almost stopped, but it was still moving. But anyway, a bad decision on his part, I thought.
2: He it said during the at-bat against Udagawa, what they were conscious of was Udagawa throws the fork ball, but they were also sort of conscious of the last couple games or the last couple at bats, however it was going, but that his his fork ball had been getting away from him a little bit high. And even Udagawa said that after game three that his, his fork balls were a little elevated and he was, he tried to like bear it down against Oyama in that, that bad that in, ended the eighth inning in that game. So Morishita was, he, they were kind of looking high and he said, Okada told him to aim just, you know, aim for center field. And, um, but uh, yeah, I thought that was, I it was good for him that, you know, he, he, he make probably the worst, he's a rookie. So it's probably the worst error of his entire career. Where it looks like it's gonna just sink Game Five of the Japan series, and then he said that he just he's they told him on the bench to just just you know wait around and you're gonna get a chance to it's gonna come back around and just be ready. And he said that he was just ready for his chance, and all he wanted to do was just tie the game. He said if nothing else, he just wanted to make sure that the game got tied again, so they had a chance, and he ended up you know winning it. I think after that, it was. I don't, know, I don't know if it was just, just a snowball effect or what, but yeah, then the hits just kept coming, and I feel like um, the Buffaloes gave up, you know, on, in the scorebook, they gave up two runs to Morishita, but I, gave, I think they really gave up like four or five runs against Morishita because it seems like that at bat sort of hung over the rest of that inning, and the Tigers went ahead and scored four more runs into so. I think that that sequence was what stood out for me. Morishita making the error and then coming right back in the bottom of the next inning and the Tigers finding a way to tie it and then win it. Yeah.
1: Jim.
3: Yeah. He was getting, uh, I, I think a, a couple of things. Yeah. The errors were really something. And uh, Nakano said, I, you know, I asked, I asked him and he, he said, yeah, it was a really hard ball. It was like, it got a weird spin on it, and he said, "When I got back to the bench, everybody said that was really, you know, that was a tough break." Did to he get tagged with an error on that play?
1: But he, he he, yes and no. You still got to get your body
3: in front of it. Which yeah, I know. But, but, but he, he said but yeah, that, everybody I, said, "Yeah, you know, we we got you. You know, we got your back, basically." Yeah, it it and wasn't
2: easy.
3: He said he said I was down, but it didn't last long. But I was, yeah, he was, <laughs> it, it didn't help. <laughs> he, he knew it was, you know, he should have had it. And, and everybody was trying to pick me up. It didn't help. And right. he was, you oh, know, man, I blew the game. Uh, as far as the, uh, yeah, a couple of things about this game was, uh, the, I think the interesting thing, well, uh, Kotaro Otake was 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 quite good. And Tajima was brilliant. And I was so hoping, I had, I had a story. I wasn't writing the game story, but I had a story for a sidebar in my mind that was going to be all about Daiki Tajima. Mm-hmm. And about how his he was a he won uh, spring invitational. He was one of the stars at Koshien. And it was my second Koshien Oryx pitchers story of the day game of uh, the series that didn't get written. The other one was about uh ah uh, Yamasace Yamasaki because he holds he holds the uh, hit record in a single spring invitational high school tournament with 13 hits in the tournament when he was in high school. So we had all this stuff going on, and you know, kind of didn't happen. He didn't get a hit. Tajima didn't get the win, and then we have the at bat with Udagawa, and Udagawa's control was not really good, and he he went low with a fastball and wrocowski called for one up high the one below he he went from a low pitch and wrocowski said you know if we get this pitch up you know maybe we'll get him to swing and miss and i think that probably would have happened but he threw it right where he was looking for he was looking for another he was set i won't say he was looking for a low pitch but he was ready for one and yeah. it was it was a brilliant swing. I mean, you can't take anything away from from nope. with that swing. That was you that was Yuki and Agita quality, bad ball hitting. Okay.
2: I think also that series that that game was interesting for both teams, both managers trying to bunt their way out of the Japan series.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, we've seen the I mean all all postseason well uh, interesting because nakajima bunts less than any manager in japan so that was interesting
1: but he he likes his he likes his intentional
0: walks
1: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah as any any manager in a big game situation would like uh and so i mean you know when you use them prudently uh so then we've got hanshin set up now with this epic comeback and the tigers fans I, you know it's like i don't even live in tokyo i've got so many i've got a, i live in this apartment building upstairs there's a hanshin fan for sure around the corner i know a guy who's a hanshin fan in fact we had a comment from him on the show this season of when the, the perfect game that wasn't occurred uh, i've got hanshin fans at work they're all over the place so they were cautiously optimistic going into saturday's game and uh, yeah, again, what I thought Yamamoto on the verge of, you know, elimination and losing the Japan series, I thought he was going to be good, but he seemed a little bit tight out there. Uh, anyway, the Oryx ends up winning five to one. Uh, Yamamoto throws 138 pitches, uh, the most he has thrown this season, probably his last performance in an Oryx uniform. We expect him to be going to the States. Murakami seemed off to me for the Tigers. It looked like he had nothing to use to attack hitters I honestly would not have left him out there as long as I did I sent uh Jason uh uh gif with the the big hook and I think after three innings I was done and uh you know if I were the manager I think I I I would have been done at that point but anyway he stays out there he gives up more runs they fall farther behind Yamamoto starts picking up the pitches, as I mentioned earlier, that he wasn't getting earlier in the game. He started getting and started locating a little bit better and throws the most for me, a very improbable complete game because you looked at him the second inning and I thought he was a couple pitches from being out of the game. uh, Had he given up another run and possibly another hit? And he comes all the way back from being on the ropes to a complete game. Jim, what did you uh, take away from game six?
3: Yeah, first Murakami, what I saw was, was re- I think, you know, he's pitched in his first Japan Series game, and all I could think of, oh, in the Japan Series, umpires are going to call pitches outside, outside the zone by about four inches, so that's where I'm going to throw it.
0: <laughs>
3: Seishiro Sakamoto was like going, yeah, man, let's do it, because he kept trying to get those strikes on, you know, well outside the zone and seemed puzzled when this umpire wasn't going to play. And that really just put him constant. He was constantly behind in counts. And, you know, that was, that was probably the big, the biggest thing for him. Uh, I can see the quality of his pitches. Cause again, I don't have a monitor. The, uh, as far as Yamamoto goes, yeah, really, really, really on the ropes early, but, you know the big strikeouts. You know he mm. he struck out five batters for the first three innings, and they were all meaningful. And he was just. And then when when Tomi Amori caught the ball,
2: yeah, run would have scored. Cause that ball would have hit the wall and then bounced in front of him. He oh,
3: easily, easily one. Uh, it's two outs, so the runner from first <laughs> probably yeah. gonna score. Yeah. Um. Now we had another. Another play in that game that was kind of interesting, which was uh, mm-hmm. Sheldon Noisy. Uh, Utaro Sugimoto had a double. Yeah, he had a double in the in the Buffalo's uh, second inning that proved crucial. And Sheldon Noisy was saying it was foul. It was foul. He kept saying it's foul. It's foul. And Okada went out and they got a review. And of course, the ball was the ball was foul because it ended up in the foul seats. But it hit it hit off the top it hit off the ring of the dome in fair territory. So approving the umpires aren't the only one who don't know the rules.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, I, I was watching that and I was listening on the radio. So I wasn't listening to the TV announcers, but they were saying, hey, you know, that's a double. But noise you keep saying it's foul. But that was the one ball that carried that night because there were a couple of shots that looked uh, I think um, Keita Naga, Nakagawa had ends up with a sacrifice fly on a ball right. that I think off the bat noisy thought well I got no chance at this because he didn't even really move and then he said wait a second <laughs> this is going to come down and so he, he well, more slowly easy. went back to the plate but but then he there was also the ball that Koji Chikamoto hit that I thought off the bat was a home run and, and uh, Tomiyamori makes a catch up against the wall yeah that was something because he's <laughs> He's played – in
3: the regular season, I think he played uh, seven games in right field. And he played them right after he came back. Five? Jason says five. Oh, okay. Uh, And he hadn't played the outfield, I think, since 2018 or 2017. And – might have been later than that, but pretty much that he was an outfielder in a DH before he was the Lions regular catcher. And he, you know, he looked he 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 gave it the college try for a guy who went to high school <laughs> and that ball looked like he had no chance on it, but he got it. I mean, that was just sort of like stick out the
1: glove and hope it goes in. because well, That was that was that could have been a big inning. So so now we're looking at game seven tonight and it's unfortunate for jbw uh because of schedules and i i wouldn't ask you guys to sit in and try to do a show after assuming there's no game eight <laughs> it's going to be championship celebration night there's no way we could record a show tonight at a decent hour and we don't do live shows on monday morning because john's got to get the kids off to school so uh like i said we'll figure out what to do but uh your prospects going into game seven uh jason or your, your, I guess your ideas of what might happen
2: in game seven. Uh, probably gonna be a, a bullpen game for the tigers or not. I don't know if it'll be a bullpen game. It, it kind of depends on how Koyo Aoyagi looks and he didn't, he does he hasn't looked like he looked last season. And I guess I'm, I'm sure the hook is going to be quicker for him than it was last night, because I thought, I thought that last night, Okada, uh, to me, Okada played it right because, um, You've got another game, and you. Don't you shouldn't
1: to... be thinking about next game. In my opinion, I think you about should do game, everything.
2: You can throw all your relievers. You can throw a bunch of relievers out there in Game Six, and then if you when you lose. You've got to throw those guys back out there in Game Seven. I don't. Yeah. I I rather save my relievers and use and, and do what he did. Use another starter. You can argue bring Yuki Nishi in earlier than he did, but. And I was sort of worried about Murakami last night anyway, because you have a young pitcher against a team he's only faced once. And I don't know how many times he's faced a team who got to look at him and then face that team again the very next week and have to, you know, those veteran hitters can make the adjustments because they've just seen you. But a young pitcher maybe doing that for the first time against an unfamiliar team, Yeah, he didn't look like he had good stuff. Or it looked like the Buffaloes were more prepared for him than they were Right. All right, Well, I, yeah. I think I, I would. I think that you know tonight it's just throw everybody at the wall is what the Tigers are going to do, and um, is what the Buffaloes are going to do too. I I have more higher prospects for Miyagi than I do for Aoyagi, but Miyagi's pitched in this game, and the Tigers have standing once, and maybe they they have something better going against him. And I do think the Hanshin bullpen overall is better than the Oryx bullpen. I think the Oryx has. Udagawa, Yamazaki, and Hirano, who is a high wire act, but he gets to the other side of the platform almost every time. So, but getting to Hirano, getting to Yamazaki and Udagawa with Higa and those other guys, I think if the Buffaloes do have to take Miyagi out early, is going to be interesting to see. So, I think it's just going to be a throw everything at the wall kind of game. Which well, you should, I,
1: you I hear you, but I, I'm I'm thinking even in game six if you're up three two and you're thinking about game seven, then you're strategizing to lose.
2: And you're no, looking at game seven. I think that... to, to, but to could say that I've got these guys. I want to make sure that if I lose this game. See, that I you said the key the word game right game. there. If I lose. I'm not looking at it that way. I'm looking, how can I win tonight? And how to win is to use y- your starting pitcher and not have to go to your bullpen in the third or fourth inning, especially in the game when you're up by a run.
1: Uh, for me, you do what you got to do to win that game. I don't strategize. I don't losing doesn't come in. I'm not saying if I lose, I'm trying to figure out how to get this championship that the team hasn't gotten. And I mean, that's my opinion. That's, I, I'm aggressive. So I, I think that's a passive way to go about it. But that's what they did. So yeah, that's love, the beauty about baseball. You're not right. You're not wrong. It's just sports. Jim. Outlook I, of uh, game I, 7. This uh, philosophy lesson has still got me my head spinning a little bit. Well, well, well settle it down and, and, and yeah. throw yours out there. You're not aggressive, but you're saying you disagree, you wouldn't be aggressive? No, I'm just, no, it's just the language <laughs> It's confusifying me. Uh, <laughs> what language?
3: John language. Well, what part of it? <laughs> be specific. Go on oh, back. We're friends. The logic. The you're an Osaka. I can't people. beat you up
1: from here. You're safe. <laughs> Hashtag. Fight. You wouldn't beat me up anyway. You don't got what?
3: a mean bone in your body. Only because I'm non-violent, but yes. Yeah, you do have a mean bone, actually, but no, 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 no violent ones. You got a mean streak sometimes. Okay. Anyway, it's yeah, no, it's it's gonna be just I think what we've seen all all series, both teams playing hard. Uh, they'll be good plays bad plays it's going to come down to you know who takes advantage of the situation i mean, I, I i wish i i could be less cliche mm-hmm. but i can't really predict anything i think oryx i would give the advantage to oryx because if you need one run the tigers the tigers offense is basically based on speed and walks okay triples mm-hmm. stolen bases getting on base I mean, yeah, they am oh, sure. Of course, they hit for average and they do this and do that, but Oryx does all that stuff better. Uh, Oryx is it? Oh, and turning double plays too. So that helps them out. But Oryx's thing is they, they got guys who can reach the seats, and Hanshin is, has not been good about keeping people out of the seats all year. We've seen that. What's the series count now? Four to one, five to one in home runs. I didn't mm-hmm. quite expect that. But uh, I think the home run will be the difference if, if the Tigers who hadn't, who got their first home run since what, I think 2003 <laughs> Japan series home run in 20 years mm-hmm. last night. Now granted, they haven't been there that much, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, two times, three times and uh, we'll see, but I think the home runs are, are probably the the critical advantage that Oryx has. And, and also having, Takuma Nakano said there was very he felt very little pressure from 38 years without a pennant. He said, and he said it's because the fans, they want to do it for the fans because they're the ones who make playing every day a joy. (laughs) So I don't think they're gonna be overly pressured, but Oryx, on the other hand, although although Yuma Mune says, yeah. Uh, He was he's walking on pins and needles and he's tight with nerves every single day. I said, it doesn't get better. He said, are you kidding? Go away. (laughs) 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 So so he's going to play nervous and other guys are going to play loose and we'll see what happens. I'm really looking forward to it. That's my prediction. I'm going to enjoy it.
1: Okay. You know, I I can't make a prediction. I'm just thinking, uh, hasn't been himself this season. He got essentially skipped in this series and now they're throwing Mm -hmm. him out there for game seven. And, I'm just harkening back to my days as as a player when I played basketball and uh, we were in a tournament and you know they didn't use me in certain situations in which I could have played and could have contributed. And uh, we ended up winning the tournament, but I had this really sour feeling toward the team. And the next practice, I came out and I was just lighting up three. I was just trying to show them that they made a mistake by not using me because I was ready. So um, I'm wondering if we get that version of Aoyagi or if we just get a guy who says, you know, they didn't use me. They don't they don't like me. I shouldn't have been pitching. Uh, they think I shouldn't have been pitching because I didn't get a chance until now. Now they need me, so they're throwing me out there. Which version of him do we get? That's going to be interesting for me. And then Miyagi could make himself one of the, you know, the, obviously with the rumors of Yamamoto about to leave, he would be the next guy up in, in terms of being the ace of the staff and he could take a step forward a huge step forward in terms of establishing himself with that, with a great performance tonight. So we'll see how that goes. It should be really
2: fun. Uh, I'm going to try to enjoy it as well. I Miyagi won this game last year. They were in pitching in game, although there would have been an eighth game, so it wasn't different because this is the first real game seven since the Giants and not Eagles. Because last year, had Miyagi lost, they would have played an eighth game. But still, he, won- he played this game last year, pitched game seven, won it. And I'll just, just to correct myself earlier, um, Maury started five games in right field, but he played in six games in the outfield. Okay.
1: All right, guys. Awesome. Let's go to fielding questions. Okay, so this question came to us, I don't know, a few weeks back from our buddy Glenn in Tokyo. And he said, hey, John and Jim, and adding in Jason here, I, I wondered if you chaps would consider doing a brief round of awards on the pod. I know You always mention the probable MVPs and rookies of the year. But how about some awards that only you guys could call? For instance, uh, the Foreign Pitcher and Position Player Awards, the biggest or sneakiest best impact player, best and worst manager of the year and so on and so on. So uh, in the interest of time, we're not going to have time to go through all the questions. Uh, We're going to have to break this one up. But uh, let's start with the first one that Glenn offered us the foreign player and position player who had the best or sneakiest best impact and Jason you are the guest keeping the theme we'll let you go first
2: um i'll I'll give it to David McKinnon although they didn't finish that well in the standings he was he was a very positive guy and he played well and he's one of those you know those guys you can see sticking around and being a a contributor to that team so I, i'd give it to him jim
3: yeah i'm I'm also with david mckinnon uh, as a position player uh there's something to be said for a guy who doesn't have the numbers he expected although this could apply to Shelton noisy as well not not in terms of the quality but in terms of the team sticking with him uh for a variety of reasons it says something it It's well. It says a couple of things. If you've got a guy who's not performing as well as he or you expect, but you play him almost every day, um, that and people are questioning it. It says either the manager is is gutsy or is has no imagination. (laughs) I suppose. But McKinnon, you know, he was he was uh, he had basically the he and uh, Domingo Santana were probably the two best uh, form position. I should add Gregory Polanco was up there as well. Uh, But, yeah, I would go with David McKinnon.
1: Really? Okay, my guy is uh, Jose Osuna of the Swallows. And, you know, he was tops in the CL in home runs among imports, uh, also RBIs and doubles. He was second. He was second in walks and second in OPS, again, among foreign players in the Central League. So he was a guy who could have been like a secondary MVP candidate for a team that didn't play very well. I thought he was not excellent, but he was really good. And it's sneaky because they lost so many games, but I thought he was really productive and uh, did a lot of good for that team that uh, you know scored runs. It wasn't like... I always said the whole season, it wasn't like watching the Dragons where, you know, you're watching paint come off the wall. You know, it's getting old. I mean, it was already dry. <laughs> you just sit there for years and years and watch it and, and watch it peel off in the heat or something. It was worse than watching paint dry. But uh, interesting, interesting. McKinnon, two votes. OK. Uh, what about pitcher, Jason?
2: Um, Probably the best born pitcher was Rydell Martinez for the for the Dragons, even though, again, they were. Not good, but he was good. He was the bright spot there, the bright spot. So I'd say him. Sure.
3: When he gave up, when he gave (laughs) up an earned run, it was news, wasn't it? The
1: only run he gave up the whole season.
3: (laughs) He gave up two, did he not? Maybe I I
1: don't. I don't know. I stopped. He gave up two, but it was yeah, but it was the first, yeah. Okay, yeah, he's my guy as well. I deemed him the best closer in MPV, I think sometime last season, and then he just. You know, back that up with another stellar season. Now, he, he, I would say, <laughs> with the, the the number of the few number of games that the Dragons win, he is pitching in extremely high leverage situations because a win for the Dragons is like two for a normal team. Hashtag
2: so. <laughs> high. <hide.
1: laughs> if your eyes rolled any more, man, we'd have to get the bowling pins out. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all we have uh, time for this week. We're going to have to get back to the questions, uh, Glenn, next week. And we appreciate the question. And thank you again, Jim, for going out and doing the interview. And hopefully you guys can, or you Jim, can get some. Here's my dream is that Sheldon Noisy or another foreign player who speaks English has a big game tonight. And you can get in the scrum and get that for us. So that would be awesome. <laughs> that's my <Yeah>. wish. <laughs> Maybe it's Beasley. Maybe Beasley comes out of the bullpen to get the W Good day. in extra innings in the 13th inning no no <laughs> jim making the making the left i just sucked on a lemon face <laughs> yeah. yeah that's called i've been lucky so far the games have been
3: well timed so no none of that
1: hey you could still have a three and a half hour 15, uh, 13 inning game you can do that it's possible <laughs> anything it. is possible stop it. <laughs> Yeah, just be glad you're not watching the NBA with these, uh, they're calling it the NBA Cup or the in-season tournament and the the floors the the floors that have been wild for, <laughs> I get a headache just thinking about them now trying to watch the games yesterday. So just be glad it's not like that for you. All right. Psychedelic, okay. psychedelic land here. Jason, thank you so much for waking up and spending some time with us. Uh, certainly appreciate it. And I owe you a dinner again. I've given you, I've been, you've given me a lot of time. I've bought a lot of food for you. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much thanks for having me again all right so the next time we talk to you guys the japan series will be over and done and the season as well so uh we'll wrap it up with a show next week that we'll figure out when we're going to record it right jim we'll figure it out all right enjoy your japan series see you at whatever ballpark you want to be at
2: and <laughs> bye
0: Follow the hosts on Twitter, at Podcast, and at jballallen. Submit
1: your questions with hashtag highheat and listen for an answer in an upcoming episode.